if I'm really passionate about something, I'm going to pursue it. It might not even be like in the direct line of sight of my goals, but if I'm passionate about it, why not explore it, right? Life's too short. From the cubicle to the lab, the studio to the war room, climbing the corporate ladder or joining a scrappy startup, experience a day in the life of the jobs you want. This is the Experience a Day in the Life podcast. We interview professionals, entrepreneurs, and recent grads about what a day is actually like on the job, hour by hour, or as we like to call it, their a-diddle, spelled A-D-I-T-L, which stands for a day in the life. This podcast will inspire you to gain experience beyond the classroom and launch a career of your own. We're your hosts, Chris DeBeau and Matt Poe. Welcome to part two in the two-part software and soft skills series. In part one, we went through hour by hour in a day in Keith Sora's life as a software engineer at Blend. In this episode, we'll take you through Keith's career journey so you know what skills and experience are necessary to land a job as a software engineer. Something that always kept Keith moving forward in his career was his intense curiosity and willingness to learn, but that also meant stepping out of his comfort zone to do so. We'll discuss how Keith has been working at improving his hard and soft skills from retail to computer programming. Let's learn how he did it so you can too. Growing up, Keith wanted to be an astronaut, but unfortunately he had already exceeded the height requirement as a child. Yeah, it was a sad day. I, I had all these <laughs> dreams and I and someone finally told me, one of my teachers was like, just so you know, <laughs> you're too big you're to, to fit in the space shuttle. I'm still holding out hope, though, that someone will build something that fits me. There I'm you go. waiting for uh, Elon Musk to just get out there and build, build that spaceship. <laughs> so that was that was my first career aspiration. Uh, I had always been interested in math and science and things like that. And so it seemed like a natural extension to go into computers, which also was the field that um, my father was in for his entire career. He worked for IBM as a network engineer. My grandfather worked for IBM for his entire career. So I kind of just always had exposure to computers and found myself getting in a lot of trouble because I was taking apart all of my dad's work equipment to see how it worked, which of course rendered it useless. My dad told me at one point that if I didn't put it back together, I'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and that I think is where the obsession began. I realized I could put it back together to do new stuff and, and then just decided that I loved computer programming once I started. I, I, I just kind of took it up to build a website with a friend at one point and decided that I loved it. So then where did you go to college and what did you study? There is a school within a school at University of Central Florida called Creole. It's the Center for Research and Education in Optics and Lasers. I love lasers. And I kind of crushed through my high school uh, course load pretty early and ended up getting an internship there at an, in high school working as um, just a lab tech, just helping them clean. And that turned into um, them giving me their differential equations because they hated it and I loved it. And so it was a really great learning experience for me to like be doing these differential equations in this lab for nonlinear optics with these amazing scientists that I, I hadn't even dreamed of working with. And um, that kind of obsession and the ability to touch lasers and play with lasers <laughs> drove me to going to University of Central Florida. I really, really enjoyed it. It's a really interesting school. And it, it just it came from like this tiny tech school to this massive, massive university. It's amazing. I was super... Um, masochistic. Studied math, computer science, and physics. Whittled that down to math and computer science. Then 
ended up transferring into Columbia University for the same. I had always wanted to live in the city and a lot of my extended family lives in upstate New York. So there was like that safety net aspect while also kind of getting to try something adventurous. And I figured, what the heck, I'm going to apply. And if they say yes, then I'm going to go. And I, I literally, I got the acceptance letter. I had no real plan other than I'm going to put all my stuff in a truck and drive to New York. And that's what I did. While at Columbia, Keith kind of made a 180. He was approached by the CEO of a book publishing company. He decided to take this opportunity that would take him completely out of his comfort zone. So he actually found me through a retail job that I had at the time that I was also working on the side at Bergdorf Goodman. And he wanted to open locations in the United States and he came in for like a customer event and we just started talking. And that he literally that night, he was like, you're gonna leave and you're gonna come work for me. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I am. Sounds good. I'll talk Where to you tomorrow. It was amazing. So I was, I kind of like reduced my course load, started taking fewer classes and ended up working for a publishing company that was based out of France. Uh, and it just afforded a lot of travel opportunities and, you know, kind of meeting people that I never thought I'd meet. Uh, so it was a really great opportunity and then ended up back in computers. Did you take that role with the mindset of like, this is going to be my new career? Or did you say, this is what I'm going to do while I go through school and then... That was, yeah, I, that was kind of my mindset. And I, I also was just interested to learn about retail. I was interested to learn about, I think, the business aspect because something that had always been really... Um, overwhelming to me was groups of people, crowds of people, speaking in front of people. And all those things are really essential for, I think, technology careers these days. There's this this vision, this kind of antiquated vision of the engineer being this lone person who sits in a cube and doesn't really talk to people. And I think that has passed. Uh, and the the kind of vision of the engineer has not kept up with the reality. And the reality is you need to be able to speak to other people. You need to be comfortable discussing your ideas in an appropriate way. You need to be able to convey what you're dreaming to someone and convince them to believe in you enough to fund the work that you want to do, right? And I think that's true whether or not you're going to a startup or you're starting your own startup or even going to a huge company. You kind of have to romance your experience. You have to romance your ideas and, and hope that someone catches the, the love bug of your, of your ideas, right? And, and wants to promote them for you. There are a lot of great ideas and what separates, I think, the great ideas that just stay on paper or in a notepad or in your mind from the ideas that get built, whether or not they succeed or fail, is your ability to create a story around them and create desire, like create your own market. Because a lot of times people they don't necessarily know what they want. I mean, I, I know a lot of times I'm thinking of dinner. I don't even know what I want, right? And so it's your job as the dreamer to bring them into your dream and make them realize that what you're dreaming is what they've wanted all along. And I think that's kind of the skill that I learned um, from that job. It was during this experience that Keith made one of the biggest decisions of his life. Can we talk a little more in detail about what kind of tipped the scale for you to stop studying at college? Like what that, you know, light bulb moment was for you? I think it was just something that I was bored. It's weird to say. It's terrible to say, actually, because it's a great it's a great opportunity. And I was really bored. Um, I think I had a lot of change that had happened in my my personal life. Um, not necessarily bad change, just a lot of change that had happened in my personal life. And I was looking for something interesting. And I, I knew that I had these gaps. And I kind of knew that just studying and then ending up um, kind of going the, the like internship at a bank route and the bank job route was not what I really wanted in my life. It wasn't something I was passionate about. And I felt like I, I, I was kind of looking for that opportunity and, and it 
presented itself. And I knew the moment that I started talking to this person from, from Asseline Publishing, Mr. Asseline actually, that I was, I was hooked. He, he had hooked me immediately in the sense that it was what I was looking for, which was a change. It was something that I was scared of. It was something that I knew that I needed to get better at. And I shouldn't be scared if I wanted to kind of go into this sort of entrepreneurial startup world. It's just one of those moments where I knew in the back of my head what I needed to do or what I should do. I was afraid of doing it. And you, you know, sometimes you just meet those people that show you how to change show you that you should change. And that was that was kind of what happened for me. You were saying that you were bored in your college curriculum. And you had just said earlier that you really enjoy studying. I do. Do you think that it was the college curriculum that kind of just like felt you were boxed in or like that you didn't have the opportunity to learn the things that you actually wanted to learn? Yeah, I would say Something that was really challenging was that I, I grew up learning how to program and grew up reading about math and teaching myself. And I'm also, at the time, I was super, super shy. I'm still internally pretty shy, but I'm still super, super shy. And so I spent my childhood like being a volunteer at the library and like working in the library and reading and reading and reading. And <clears throat> I got to school and it was a very social event that I don't think I was really prepared for um, personally. and. I learn best by taking a book and reading it myself. That's that's my like learning method. Hearing people speak doesn't really help me that much. Doing things help sometimes. And I, I felt like I was just listening to people tell me things that I had already read. I, I just felt very disengaged. Not to say that, not to say that it was a bad experience. It was still an amazing experience. And and like I said, I, I have dreams of like just going back and studying kind of whatever I want with endless budget. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it just, yeah, it felt. Like I had read it before and I wanted to be in a setting that was a little bit more reckless, I guess, a little bit more dangerous in the sense that I like to learn by doing something, trying, failing, trying, failing, trying, failing. From there, Keith moved on to work at Crumbs and eventually Starbucks. Continuing the retail journey and my love of food, I ended up working for this cool bakery that started on the Upper West Side in New York and they loved cupcakes. It was kind of the beginning of... The commercial cupcake craze, which I think started more popularly with uh, Magnolia Bakery, right, in Sex in the City. And then this company kind of capitalized on that. And so they started expanding really, really rapidly. And um, I just had a great time learning about baking, learning about food distribution. Uh, and that led me into Starbucks, which I think is honestly to this day, I think, like the holy grail of food companies and companies in general. <laughs> just such a positive experience with them. It, it's kind of, a, it sounds crazy, but it's like a magical place to work. It really is just this magical place where the CEO, Howard Schultz, I think who is, is the chairman now, but just has this vision. And he sold the hundreds of thousands of people that work for him on this vision. And people really believe it. it it's absolutely incredible. And then finally ended up uh, back in computers. <laughs> so during that time, were you still dabbling into like technology and stuff like that, like on the side? Yes. Like how did you keep up with, because you know, technology is changing every single second, yes. right? So just basically writing things for people, friends needed websites, referrals for websites, helping people start their business website, their consulting website, that sort of stuff just kept me abreast. And I also am obsessed with those um, websites that you can like get puzzles on, you know, the programming puzzles, they have different levels. So you can kind of say, oh, I'm, I'm a beginner, I'm just learning to program. And then you get some questions on, you know, basic algorithmic structures and things like that, all the way up to expert where you sign up and it's basically you and all of these other people all around the world and their challenges that come out. A lot of companies, actually huge companies like Facebook, Google, they put out challenges. 
And you can just code against all these other people and see who comes up with the most innovative answer to these these problems. And it keeps you really fresh because these companies are obviously doing it to look for people. And so you get these great questions, these great puzzles, and it's a, it's a way to keep sharp. I think it's pretty impressive that Keith was able to identify his weaknesses and then work to improve them without abandoning his bread and butter passion and skill set in computers. What was going through your mind at those last few months at Starbucks? I think it was that I just felt really ready. I was excited about this particular project. A very good friend of mine was working as office manager at this this company called Panjiva. And he mentioned to me, he's like, you know, I know how much you love puzzles. I know how much you love math. I know how much you love computers. You should really come in and speak to someone on the team about what we're doing because it seems really like something that's up your alley. So I went in and just had this conversation where I kind of I walked away from it. And it was one of the, the first times I walked away from just an initial conversation with like little butterflies in my stomach thinking, oh my gosh, I I hope they're interested in me because the, the problem was so unique and it was basically about using data like shipping data from governments all over the world to kind of help both suppliers and buyers find each other so it was a huge data mining problem um, obviously a lot of complexity with getting the data parsing the data multiple languages it just it seemed like a ton of fun Keith found his home at Panjiva. He fit perfectly, both in culture and skills. He was hired by Panjiva originally as an account manager to work on implementation, but as we'll learn, title and job descriptions don't hold the same meaning and emphasis at startups. Keith was doing whatever was needed of him, but he mainly worked on implementation requirements that were beyond just logging into the website, for instance. When Panjiva launched their enterprise side of the business, Keith was working on projects for those clients. He was then promoted to the mouthful of a title, Principal Deployment Strategist and Enterprise Engineer. So from your experience, right, or if you're looking at the resume, you know you're a smart guy. You know you have all these interests. You you know you have all these skills, right, that you're building up. How did you, even if it wasn't on paper, how did you go from Starbucks to showing hey, I can do this job, I am the best person for the job, and kind of leveraging that into the role? That's a good question. I think I would say two primary things. Uh, I think the first thing is truly being engaged with what you're interviewing for or, or who you're speaking with and, and what they're going to be talking about. So I am an obsessive studier. I do random studying on my own, not even related to my career path, just because I like to I like to learn new things. And I think the, the same thing is really true of interviews. Come prepared. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you've absolutely destroyed yourself with test problems. What it means is that you have a really firm and deep understanding of both what the company is trying to accomplish and why they're trying to accomplish it. How are they kind of encouraging their own employees? How are they selling it internally, uh, their mission statement? So you want to kind of understand where that person is coming from. And when you sit down with them, realize that it's basically a one-time opportunity to make an impression and show them that you care about what they're doing and that you care about it in a genuine way. So again, this is a preparation thing in that you don't want to just take an interview. I don't think this step works if it's, a, if it's a job that you're not really crazy about or maybe you are not passionate about the mission. But if you are truly passionate, I feel, and my experience has been, that that comes across very clearly. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is just always be uh, learning, be really upfront and honest with your skills. If you are an average coder and the reason you're interested in this job is because you want to go to the next level and you think this company can take you there and you're willing to put in the hours, talk about that. You know, don't oversell yourself. Don't sell yourself short. Really highlight the thing that's going to make you the passionate worker that they're looking for and, you know, practice, study. 
So then you were promoted to principal deployment strategist and enterprise engineer. Like you said, it was just kind of like very loose in terms of like who did what and what those titles meant. It was yes. just more of like an all hands on deck sort of situation. And that's that's real. I think something that I've learned looking back at like my dad's career and my grandfather's career at a company like IBM, titles are very specific, right? And because their company is so huge, they have so much to do. And so your title is really an extension of just precisely what you do. Um, but I, what I found is at a startup, your title is basically whatever the company needs your title to be to move the business forward, <laughs> right? So in this particular instance, uh, Monica had the great idea that all these custom things that we were building, maybe we should sell them because <laughs> she's awesome like that. And <clears throat> that's kind of where this uh, title came from. But the, functionally, it was no different, to be clear. And this was the title that people decided would work well when you sat down with a large corporation and you wanted to sell them custom software. I see this today as well as like a lot of people get really stuck on what the title is going to be, what should their title be. And at the end of the day, it, it, honestly, it only matters when you go to leave and you need to explain something to someone. So your title should be functional. It's something that we really believe in at Blend. I think that our human resources folks have done an amazing job at just creating this culture where our titles are transient and they're functional. What you're doing is what your title is so people know what's happening. And then if you change, change doing something, maybe your title changes, but it doesn't mean that anything about you has changed. And it's such a great kind of underlying philosophy to to, to build into people because it creates this atmosphere of compassion and um, non-competitiveness. Um, like people are still competitive externally, but internally it's about group work and getting it done together, which is cool. The company was growing to the point where we actually needed to keep track of people paying us, <laughs> right? So it went from sort of like being on a spreadsheet, you know, being in someone's head to being on a spreadsheet to being, oh my gosh, we really need to track how we're charging people because there are a lot of people that we need to charge. This is great. And there were there was all this old data, a combination of systems that had been layered up over time to deal with this this challenge. And it was finally time to, to, to do something about it that was a little bit more considered. And so we sourced a lot of different opinions from different founders that our CEO uh, knew that had done this previously. And then we kind of drew up our own idea, uh, our own path. So I sketched and sketched and sketched and sketched and pulled in, I was, you know, one engineer next to me, hey, what do you think about this and this and this? And the next engineer, what do you think about this and this and this? Until eventually we'd reached some sort of consensus about how to move forward. It, it was a really fun, it was a really fun project though. And we were able to build people, which was good. But like all good things, Keith's time at Pangeva had to come to an end. Not in a negative way by any means, though. After things were slowing down at Pangeva, Keith sought out some advice from the CEO of Pangeva on what to do next. He could have these types of conversations with him because he looks to him as a mentor. I think it's key to developing people and becoming a leader to also help them get better. You just always want to, you know, you want to wish the best for everybody. Why waste time wishing anything but the best for people? And so I started kind of poking around and like three days into poking around, got a call from uh, my absolute favorite recruiter. hope she hears this. Laura Pipo. Shout out, Laura. That's right. Uh, at, at Blend. And she said that she saw my my profile on AngelList. And we just started chatting. And it turned out that I was going to be in San Francisco anyway. So we decided to chat in person. And things kind of developed from there. In this initial meetup, mm -hmm. what was she? What mm -hmm. kind of questions was she asking you? It was actually the most uh, overwhelmingly fun initial in-person <laughs> meeting I've ever had. So, like the phone calls were just kind of standard questions about who I was, experience, education, that sort of thing, and then sort of uh, an open-ended question of what do you know about Blend, which is a great question. 
And I, I was like, well, honestly, I, I don't know that much about Blend at all. What can you tell me? And she just had this amazing pitch. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even I don't even want any research. I just want to show up at the office and just <laughs> hang out with these people. So I ended up in San Francisco and I walked in and she's like, all right, we're going to lunch. And I'm like, OK, I like lunch. And we go upstairs and they have like a crepe station set up. There's someone making crepes, which is some of my favorite foods. And I was like. I don't even know what you do here, but I'm in so much cheese, so much cheese. <clears throat> and I, and she sat me down and like, we had lunch and she kept pulling people over and all these people that I had never met that had no idea who I was, would just come sit and have lunch and talk or would, we'd go in a room and sit and they'd show me part of the product or something they're really excited that they're working on. You blended it. I blended it. I love it. <laughs> Strong. Just people were exceptionally excited uh, about what they're doing. And as I told you all before, that's my thing. If I'm really passionate about something, I'm going to pursue it. It may not even be like in the direct line of sight of my goals, but if I'm passionate about it, why not explore it, right? Life's too short. And so I saw the passion that these people had. I saw the product that they were developing. I thought that the challenge that they were tackling was really unique. And I think it's, it's easy to think about it's easy to think about what we do as creating a front end or creating an engine for just giving people loans. But what's really happening are all of like the little magical things behind the scenes, which is all of these people who only have access to the internet on their phone, for example. It's an enormous number of, number of people that don't have good internet access at home or a computer at home. They now have access to the ability to apply for a mortgage. People who possibly had difficulty hearing or difficulty seeing can use ADA compliant stuff from our, our products to apply for for a home. Um, so you just open up markets for people. You open up opportunities for people by making things more transparent, making them more accessible, making them more fair. And uh, that's always a good thing in my book. I want to talk about the transition into this role a little bit. What skills were they looking for from you? What they were looking for was someone that had experience in basically constructing, I was going to use the word divining, uh, an API strategy for custom integrations and someone that had uh, a lot of experience in both building those things and then design and also designing them with the customer. So being able to go be customer facing, speak to the client, understand both what they said that they wanted and, and then kind of figure out what they actually needed, what they really wanted to make this work and design something that would fulfill those needs and, and secure the client. Um, for for the company and make sure that they were happy and successful so that we could be happy and successful. I think they were definitely looking for someone with strong programming skills. There was the standard uh, programming exams. I, I can't speak for every company everywhere, but my experience has been that there are usually two or three pretty common things that happen when you apply for a job that is programming-centric, programming-focused. The initial phone screen is, is like a quick culture fit, right? So you want to just kind of find out where this person is coming from. And then if that goes well, usually you're forwarded to some sort of programming test at a distance. And that can be conducted uh, via video with a pair programming program. There are a lot of different websites that allow you to like program together on the same pad, their program, that sort of thing. So you share a video screen, share audio, and you work together to solve a problem. Or you um, give someone a challenge and then kind of watch how they think, ask them to describe it for you. Uh, so that's usually the second part. And if that goes very well, usually you are forwarded right to kind of an on, on-site, an in-person interview. Those are totally different depending on what sort of company you're going to, what the company culture is. But usually all of them involve kind of coming in for a day and you generally meet a ton of people. <laughs> and your goal is to just kind of 
persevere through that really, really long day. Can't be nervous. You got to just kind of be excited. And the idea is that you speak to people from different parts of the business. You get to learn kind of about the different facets of the company that aren't maybe necessarily directly related to what you're going to be doing. And at the same time, those folks are evaluating you through different lenses. How will this person interact with business development? How will this person help the sales team? How will this person help you know, account management, that sort of thing. And then you finally usually get to the meat of it, which is the engineering interviews. And for us, we usually do interviews with a couple different engineers at different levels in the company, uh, not necessarily hierarchically, but in different groups. So maybe they focus on different technologies uh, or different methods of programming, different different important parts. Uh, some may be focused on like kind of optimization. Others may be focused on prototyping, that sort of thing. And you'll sit in a room with that person, and depending on the person's um, preferences, you'll pair a program, or you'll do a programming assignment, or you'll whiteboard through an architecture solution. There's usually, for our particular group, we usually do uh, a lot of work because you need to work with customers on pretending to be a customer and then having that person architect a solution with you, as though they're basically trying to to get you to build, right? Because that's a fun way to see people think in, in real time. By the time that you get to the building, a lot of these companies are, are generally fairly serious about you and they they feel, I would say, I, I always take that as a compliment. So even if you don't make it through, go into the interview thinking that you're going to learn something amazing because you're going to meet some amazing people at a company that clearly you're interested in. And, and if you focus on that, if you focus on it as a learning experience, you're never really going to be let down no matter what what the outcome of the actual interview is. And people can kind of sense that too. If you're there to learn, it's just such a great attitude to have going into the situation. It makes the conversations more engaging. And then before you know it, it's not awkward or scary anymore. And you're having a great time and you're whiteboarding with these people and they, lo- and they love you, right? So you said that you, at some point in that interview process, you were talking to the salespeople, how you can help the business development people, things like that. How do you prepare for something like that when you don't really know that's not really your bread and butter. Right. So I think, again, I can't speak for all different companies, but we don't go into the interviews asking people specifically, uh, like, what are you going to do for business development or asking them complicated business development questions or complicated sales questions or making them form a pitch. It's more about taking different personality types from within our larger culture. So it's like taking the different subcultures within the company's main culture and having them express an opinion about how they think that person's going to fit in. Because as I said earlier, it's so important to just be a part of the team in general. Everyone is working on everything at 150% all the time. Uh, and, and so getting that kind of mesh between the different teams, even if you're not a, a salesperson or an account manager or whatever, is important. I think from a preparation standpoint, it just goes back into something I mentioned earlier, which is really research the company and not just like the facts on the website. What is the product they're building? That sort of stuff. That's great to know, but everyone is going to look at that stuff usually by the time you're at that phase. What you really want to try to divine is what that company thinks that they're doing and why they think they're doing it. Why does it matter to their leader? Why does it matter to their founder? What What's the backstory behind it? What's what's like the romance behind the product? Because when you can kind of capture that in your research, um, you're able to speak to all these different lenses that are looking at you in a really honest way, in a really excited way, um, but knowledgeably. And I think people that that like just is obvious to people when they're when they're speaking to you. So the only preparation is just just doing your research, I think, and understanding the passion. A lot of that has to do with not just looking at the company's website, but going, looking at articles about the founders, looking at articles about the engineers, 
if there's podcasts, if there's videos, if, if they have an engineering blog, what are these people super excited about? And find out if you can get super excited about it too, because if you end up working there, you're, you're going to need to be. Keith would go on to be the third Blend employee in their New York location. So I was the first engineer out here. I was actually the first remote engineer for the company. So that was like a cool experience. Uh, so there was a lot of initial travel to customer sites. There was a lot of initial travel back and forth to San Francisco. Uh, but as we've built out the teams here uh, and and in San Francisco, that's been able to reduce. Um, but it was a, it was a neat side project of kind of building up this trust that remote work does work. And of course, now it's not super remote because there's an office. When I originally started, we were in an apartment. Oh, all right. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, for a whole week I was in an apartment. Then we went to WeWork, a co-working space, and then we went to an office on 23rd Street in Chelsea. <clears throat> and now we're just near the Flatiron Building, just scaling and scaling. It's pretty fun. It's kind of amazing. That wraps up part two in the software and soft skills series. Huge thanks to Keith Sora for sharing his wisdom throughout this experience, a day in the life series. If you haven't already, be sure to listen to part one in this series to experience a day in the life of a software engineer. So they say you can't get a job without experience, but need experience to get the job. But luckily, we have quite the experience. You can join our team and experience a day in the life of the jobs you want by applying to be a student editor. Regardless of your major or amount of experience, this is the perfect stepping stone into any internship or career. Find more info and sign up at xadiddle.com slash students. That's x-a-d-i-t-l dot com slash students. Thanks for listening. Head over to exadiddle.com. That's X-A-D-I-T-L.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at xadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Bow and Matt with one T Poe. If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.